Hey there, everybody. Welcome out. Uh, it's another podcast. Uh, I have good day. Dave here with me. Yeah, good, a good day. day. We're we're here. It's uh, ooh, it's starting to feel a little fallish, more than fallish. Yeah, we've a little got winterish, to... and it's it's gonna be a, a good season. Holiday season's up on us now. We can start listening to Christmas songs soon. Basketball season starts. That makes you oh, happy. Oh man, basketball. We got we got everything: football, baseball, hockey, all going on at once here. Yeah, this is the uh, sweet spot. <laughs> baseball. Good good time of the year. Wonderful time of the year, and uh, uh, so many things to be thankful for. Yeah, and, thankful uh, to be here. Not the least of which is we actually will have snow coming here soon, too. In fact, we have a little bit of snow here on the Wasatch Front, uh, in the mountains, of course. But uh, I have my ski pass, Dave. I'm ready to go. Oh, cool. I'm going to... I don't know what I'm going to do, Scott, without golf. I've been golfing quite a bit this summer. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know how I'm going to... i got to do something physically active. I'm going to have to go join a gym or something and... Play some racquetball or something. I don't know. Yeah. Have yeah. to figure that That's out. That's a blast from the past for you, Dave. I got invited to join a bowling league, and I was grateful for the invitation. But last time I went bowling, I d- did something to my knee, and it popped, and I... Yeah. That's a that's a pretty rough sport. You should, you should probably so avoid I can't bowling. even do bowling. So I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't either. Uh, well, I could, I can always take you skiing with me, or you could go. Oh to, yeah, that you, would really be good for me. Or you could head south. Yeah, that and, would be uh, healthy and do some golfing. Just make sure you come back mm-hmm. on on the days that we record podcasts. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, we've got another one uh, I think planned uh, that's going to be great today. So let's just dive in, Dave. Tell, why don't you? I'm going to let you. Well, I want to answer. Yeah. I want to take. Uh, I want to take a little time today, if we can, answer some some questions that have been asked recently and some in the past. And I won't necessarily read every question. We've had we've had uh, several, and I won't read every question, but I'll just try to answer some of the questions that I've been pondering for a while. Maybe start with the most recent. You know, because I've had multiple people that I know personally who have texted me or who have emailed us or communicated with us. I shared a story a few episodes ago, Scott, that kind of, I guess, hit a nerve with people about patriarchal blessings and uh, talked about the young man who wasn't worthy to come on his mission and he went home and and uh, thankfully he came back after repenting and really learning how to access the atonement of Jesus Christ in his life and completely changed and I knew his countenance had changed and I knew he was going to be a powerful missionary and he goes out on his mission and we write a few letters back and forth to each other. I was his branch president at the missionary training center and, and he wrote me a letter. Uh, and this has been several years ago, years before I was ever ordained a patriarch. And he asked the question, do I need to get another patriarchal blessing? Because when I got my patriarchal blessing, I wasn't worthy to get it. And I answered back then a little bit of what I understood about it, which was, no, you don't need to get another blessing. But now, as an ordained patriarch, you know, I would, I would answer that question probably uh, more completely. I would answer it probably uh, more effectively. And uh, anyway, I, I want to just answer that question for everyone who feels that they either weren't worthy when they got their patriarchal blessing or there were extenuating circumstances when they got their patriarchal blessing or they didn't really feel the Spirit of the Lord maybe as much as they should have or could have or would have when they got their patriarchal blessing for whatever reasons. And uh, I've contemplated that a lot, and I know I've had different people that I've given patriarchal blessings with. I have known on occasion that some weren't worthy to receive it. But I'm not their bishop, and I'm not going to paint them into a corner and, and tell them that they're not worthy. I knew, I knew they weren't worthy, but I knew the Lord had a blessing for them. Uh, I wasn't their judge, so I wasn't going to say anything. And I never felt like the, the Lord was going to hold back on any blessings he was going to give his children. And the reason is, Scott, is because this is really important that the Lord sees all things at once. 
He sees the beginning to the end. And he doesn't base one patriarchal blessing upon a such a small amount of time, even if it was a person, let's say, gets their blessing when they're 17 or 18. He, he's not going to base that blessing upon the first 18 years of their life, as bad or as good as they might be. He's going to base that blessing upon their pre-mortal existence. I think that affects their blessing even more than their first 18 years of this life. And then he's going to base that blessing upon their their life after they get their patriarchal blessing for the rest of their mortal life, and even into post-mortality. That a patriarchal blessing takes in all three of those periods of our life, pre-mortal life, mortality, and post-mortal. So I know that God who sees all things from beginning to end is is not limiting his blessing upon an individual's worthiness or not worthiness. I know what it does affect is whether that individual feels the spirit or the power of the blessing when they receive it. But that does not mean that year or years or months, whatever, that they, that they can't feel the power of that blessing uh, as they repent and get the Holy Ghost. And that blessing, even if they weren't worthy when they received it, when they were 18, that blessing is their personal liahona, according to President Thomas S. Monson, Patriarchal blessing is a liahona, and that that liahona will work as their guide throughout their journey in life. When, just like the liahona in Lehi's day, it worked based upon their faith and their diligence. So based upon their faith and diligence, any patriarchal blessing an individual receives whether they're worthy or not worthy, can be a guide to them throughout their life as they become worthy and qualify for the spirit and influence of the, of the Holy Ghost. And I, I tell individuals who receive patriarchal blessings, Scott, that, that they, they should see that blessing as a personal revelation to them, worthy or not worthy, and that that blessing is from their Heavenly Father, and that they should uh, not just focus on the words of the blessing, the black ink on the white paper. <laughs> they should focus on the white parts of their blessing. In other words, they, the Spirit, can actually reveal to them things in between the lines of their blessing. And He can take a thought in their blessing, which may not mean a lot to them now, and he can expand on that, and it will mean so much to them later in their life. So I, I gave a blessing uh, Sunday night to a young man who uh, was just so, so good, Scott. I mean, the youth, the youth today really are so amazing. I, I am just so touched uh, by the, the power of the youth, and a lot of that power is the result of the opposition that they face. They have to be good. You, you and I, we were okay, but we, we didn't have to be as strong as they have to be now. And this, this young man was just, just so good in his desires and, and striving, struggling to be so good. And wow, what a powerful blessing. You know, I asked him afterwards if he had any uh, expressions or feelings that he wanted to to verbalize and uh, uh he he got emotional and he said i felt as though i was in the presence of god wow that how sweet that is so sweet and it did feel that way yeah, scott i'm sure it, it did. did feel that yeah. way yeah. and that was because of his preparation sure and his worthiness and not everyone has that experience but it doesn't mean they can't have that experience. Mm-hmm. And that that blessing was given to them not based upon where they were at, but where they had been in their pre-mortal life, how valiant they were there, mm-hmm. 
how God sees them, not only now, but before and after and into eternity. So uh, live to be worthy. If you weren't worthy when you got your blessing, live to be worthy of that blessing. But God doesn't hold back on giving blessings and promises based upon a, a, sh- a short time or in his, in, in his mind, yeah. a short time of unworthiness. Why do you think that it is that we take on those beliefs of those types of things? So because of my unworthiness, I don't have the ability to receive this revelation. Or, and, and, you know, we can expand that into so many other things, but why do you think that we do that, David? I know there are multiple reasons, Scott, but I honestly, I think the biggest reason is we don't understand God. Right. We don't, we don't comprehend His nature. Yeah. We don't really understand His mercy, His love. We see this immortal, sovereign God, all-powerful, all-wisdom, all-knowing, all... And, and we try to, I don't know, we, we put... Uh, we put him into kind of a box where we we think that his emotions are like human. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. You know, and if we go back to like, I think episodes two and three, when we talk about who we really are, and, right. we, and we get a glimpse of who we are. And how it, God sees us. And how he sees us. That only can come. And then you said it, you know, uh, through preparation. You just talked about how this young man prepared to uh, receive his patriarchal blessing Sunday. And you know, last podcast, we talked about preparing to receive the sacrament and, and how that can be such a sacred experience that as we do that, I wonder how his preparation for partaking the sacrament was last Sunday. Oh, that, man. That would have been just yeah. a sweet experience to have uh, privy to uh, have part in that. But we can. We can have part in that in our own lives. And I wonder how many people uh, of our listeners and <clears throat> just took a big sigh, like, oh, I'm so glad to hear this, you know, because, I hope so. because, you know, as we qualify for the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ to be in our lives, that's not a one time we, we do something and now we're qualified for the rest of our lives. It's a process. It's, and it's an ongoing experience. When I say process, it, it's not a difficult to strenuous, arduous experience. It's a sweet, loving, come-to-me experience yeah. where we do begin to learn the nature of God, yes. where we do see ourselves as we truly are. And as we do that, then we have that experience. What a great experience for that young man, too. Well, I, I just... You and I have talked about this in many episodes, Scott, but the bottom line, really, for all of us, in, in when we talk of redemption and when we, we talk of joy and happiness and peace... I really think it is centered in knowing God, you know, and this is life eternal, or we right. could say, and and this is a happy life, and we could say, and this is a peaceful life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, right? Yeah. John, John, John 17, 3. Yeah. And, and I, I, that's Jesus saying that. And this is life eternal, or we we could say, and this is an abundant life, or this is a happy life, that they know God. Yeah. Because if we if we if we could comprehend God, his nature, his character, his love, his mercy, his compassion, it not only would change how we see God, Scott, it would change how we see ourselves. Yeah, it would. And it would change how we see the world. In fact, Joseph Smith said. Man cannot comprehend himself until he first comprehends God. Yeah. And it really is the great secret of life and the joy, peace of life is to, is to know that we have a loving, compassionate, real Heavenly Father who lives and who loves us and will do everything for us. And He is, he is not unmerciful he's not he's not one who who's quick to judge us when he speaks to Moses in the pearl of great price chapter 1 he says something about who Moses is but mostly he's trying to tell Moses who he is right. and this is verse 6 where he says and i have a work for thee Moses my son and thou art in the similitude of mine only begotten and mine only begotten is and shall be the Savior, for he is full of grace and truth. But there is no God besides me, 
and all things are present with me, for I know them all. So that goes into your question about if, did, if I get a uh, patriarchal blessing and I'm not necessarily worthy, that scripture proves out what you just said. Yes. God sees stuff, everything, from the beginning to the end. All things are present All with him. All things are now. There well, is no to... past. Yeah. I, I know we can't comprehend this. No. This is not a mortal thing that we can comprehend. There is no time with God's God. No, Elder Maxwell referred to that as God's eternal now. There's no past. Yeah. There's no future. There's no time that God, all things God sees at once, or all things he says here, is present. So he, he tells Moses, okay, you're my son. You're in the similitude of my Savior. And I know all things. All things are present before me. When I gave this patriarchal blessing Sunday, Scott, it was so sweet because I never said anything in that patriarchal blessing about this individual being a great leader. But after the blessing was over and I asked him kind of his thoughts and feelings about the blessing, this, this uh, he, you know, sweet boy... And I could tell kind of quiet and reflective and, you know, I, other, other characteristics, um, which I don't need to describe here, but I asked him what he, what he heard in his blessing. And he, he sat there for a minute and he looked up at me and he said, I'm a leader. I never said anything about that in his blessing. So revelation came to him. While he was receiving the blessing, yeah, that he needed to step up, yeah, and that he was called, yeah. that he was called, that he was foreordained yeah. to do some important things, and in his words, that meant he was to be a leader. I, I I mentioned to my wife, who's my scribe, you know, and she was actually there that evening. She didn't hear, she didn't sit in on the blessing, but she was here after the discussion that we were having after the blessing and after they left, after he and his parents left, I said to her, I wonder how his day is going to be different tomorrow. <laughs> I wonder how he's going to be different at school tomorrow because of what he learned tonight. Yeah. I, I, I just think we should all ponder that, the way God sees us, the blessings and the promises he desires to to bless us with, not because we're worthy or not worthy, but because of who we are in relationship to him well, and, and he, how he sees us. And even, even maybe even more important than who we are, but whose we are. We talk about right. that through this, out the episodes of this podcast, but we are his because we have been redeemed and purchased through the blood of Jesus yes. Christ. Yes. That his only begotten yeah. son in the flesh, yeah. he sacrificed for our benefit. For our benefit. And if, if we could just understand that, Scott, and see not just who we are, but even maybe more important to see who God is, it changes how we see everything. I, I just think that's just so important. So... I, I hope and pray that the, those who have received patriarchal blessings will see them as an instrument of revelation in their life and use them that way, uh, read them as uh, their personal scripture, and I pray that those who don't have patriarchal blessings will uh, desire to receive one, to go find out how they're not only related to their Heavenly Father and who they are and whose they are, but they'll also, Scott, um, find out how they're related to Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. I just think that's a really important part of their blessing, is to find out uh, how they're related to, to Abraham. And I, I shared, I think, a story about that several episodes ago about the girl from Congo who I gave a Yeah, you know what? To. Share that again, though, because that was so many episodes ago that... Uh, share that again. Well, the, the sweet girl from Congo who had uh, come here as a refugee 
who had lost uh, many members of her family and had lost her tribe. And she came here, and after being questioned by an immigration officer, the immigration officer said to her, uh, you sound religious, and I hear Utah is religious, so I'm going to send you to Utah. <laughs> I forgot about that part. And uh, so she came to Utah, and she was adopted by a family in our stake. Uh, I think at the time she was only 18 years old, but she already had a two-year-old daughter. And um, anyway, she jo- ended up joining the church after being adopted. Uh, she joined the church like a year later, was baptized, and then she came to get a patriarchal blessing. And I had pondered and I had prayed and fasted about her and, you know, the week before she came. And I knew before she came by revelation that she who she was a descendant of and that she was of the blood of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, when I pronounced her tribe, which was Naphtali, she started to weep. I could feel her kind of, sh- you know, shaking, her whole body shaking after I had told her that she was a descendant of Naphtali and a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the tribe of Naphtali. And afterwards, she said, uh, Brother Durfee, can I pray? And I said, sure, Julie, you want to pray? Yeah, we, we can pray. And sh- she went to kneel down. And I said, wait wait a minute, Julie, we'll, we'll kneel down with you. Her uh, parents were there, and so we knelt down, and uh, she started to, and she said, can I pray in my language? Whatever, I'm not even sure what language that was. They spoke in Congo. I think they have several. But anyway, she started to pray in her language, and I didn't understand, and it was a loud prayer, energetic prayer, Mm. and um, a, a praising prayer. Yeah. And weeping, weeping, and a loud voice crying out to God. Anyway, I didn't understand any of it except the name Naphtali. And she kept saying, Naphtali, Naphtali, Naphtali. And after the prayer, we stood up, and her sweet parents uh, said to me, I think, Brother Durfee, you need to understand that she lost her tribe, and that in Africa, a tribe is everything. It's really important to her. That was a restoration for her. And now she has a tribe. Yeah. And I I don't think we understand and appreciate that uh, in our culture. I know I don't. And it's really critical, I think, that we try to appreciate not only that we are sons and daughters of God, but that we are sons and daughters of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the covenant, and that we are covenant children. I love the scripture in 3 Nephi that says that. You are children of the covenant. We could even say we are the children of prophets and patriarchs. And we need to see ourselves that way, Scott. I think it really makes a difference in, in how we not just see ourselves, but how we, how we live. Yeah. How we see the world. So I, I hope everyone will love their blessing, but if they don't, repent. <laughs> repent. Yeah. And come to love your, your blessing, because that, that blessing is full of promises. I just pulled mine out. I, ha- I keep it very close by me. I refer to it pretty frequently. Um, this was given to me on August 22nd, 1982. Hmm by you know him uh, and he's passed so I can say his name Stanley D Roberts. Yeah. What a wonderful man. He was man. my stake president when I went on a mission. I know Scott. he was. Yeah. Love love yeah. President Roberts. Yeah. And this was uh this was uh mm, um patriarchal blessing number 114. Huh. <laughs> so, That's really sweet. Yeah, and you know and and those things can be such a guidepost what they're intended to be. It's so important that personal revelation and that relationship that we gain you know, so much of what we have talked about over the past 30-some-odd episodes has been about relationship, relationship with our Savior, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We talked about a lot about that in the last two episodes, all culminating and directing us to the ultimate relationship, to, because no 
no man cometh to the Father but by me, but with the Father. Right. You know, to have that relationship with the Father, to understand his depth of love to the best that we can even begin to understand it and to and to have those those experiences and to go back and revisit those experiences, you know, I don't know if I may have been one of those guys that probably wasn't that worthy to get my patriarch. Well, I don't blessing. think any of us were, Scott. If we were it. a teenager, yeah, well, and we it, probably weren't worthy to get a blessing. I, I know I wasn't in I, 1982. I know I wasn't I, either. I know that was a big struggle in my life, and I probably, you know, maybe even fabricated uh, answers to a couple of the questions so that I could get it. But to, you know, and, but I've had that confirmation, not just because of conversations that. That I've had with you. I had that confirmation for me back a long time ago when all my blessings were restored, uh, you know, when I was rebaptized and all those types of things. And that for me, that was, uh, okay, everything's on. But, but what I did. Everything's but, back on, including every everything. promise and blessing you were given in your patriarchal blessing. But we don't have to have that experience to have that experience. No. We don't have to have our memberships lifted. Right. We don't have to, we don't have to excuse ourselves or, or make decisions that alienate or separate ourselves from the fold or from right. any of that we don't have to have those experiences and then have things restored in order to have all of those things brought back to us again and we talked about this last week in some detail and deb and i will be talking about it tonight in a lot of detail as we uh, teach institute but the sacrament i I, that's when we partake of the sacrament yeah uh, that 20 minutes of the 10,080 minutes in the week that we commit to renewing those covenants all those covenants and blessings are restored and come back, and, and, and we renew. Including we, the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. It's amazing to me how many, how little most people know about the Abrahamic covenant. In fact, before I give a blessing, uh, I will read it with the recipient of the blessing and their parents and review with them what the Abrahamic covenant yeah. is. And uh, it's something that uh, we should make another podcast on sometime, is what what is really the Abrahamic covenant? But as children of that covenant, uh, th- that includes so much, Scott, that we should be thankful for. And it is not based upon a little period uh, that we call teenage years, whether we're worthy or not. Thank goodness. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. So anyway, I, I hope that, that helps everyone to know uh, not just about their patriarchal blessing, but uh, being able to perhaps understand better the nature and love and compassion of God and who He is and how He sees us. Yeah, that that will have application in our lives in so many so many other areas. Additionally, in yeah, addition to so. our patriarchal blessings. Yeah, I hope sure. so. All right. Uh, other questions that we have received, Scott, that I think uh, deserve a little attention is kind of the the nature of. Uh, Jesus Christ and His Atonement. We've kind of held on to these questions for a while because we were trying to get through a course on repentance and forgiveness, but uh, I'm really grateful for those who have asked questions about uh, Jesus Christ and His Atonement and uh, kind of how it works and kind of what it is. And I, I don't feel like I'm a great authority to necessarily answer those questions, but I have made the atonement of Jesus Christ a, a great study, um, I don't know, throughout the last uh, probably 30 or 40 years of my life, and uh, for some reason it I've been super sensitive to the questions that uh, uh, have been asked by myself concerning the atonement of Jesus Christ, the questions that students have asked me, in the 40 years that I taught in seminaries and institutes, and I'm really grateful for those individuals who are asking us questions as we do this podcast. And um, I, uh, maybe we can just talk a little bit about the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to kind of begin by saying that there are different theories on how the atonement of Jesus Christ works and what it covers and kind of what it's, uh, what it's all about. Uh, and I, I'm, not, I'm not always comfortable teaching theories. These are Some of these are theories, Scott, that are taught by Christianity, and not just by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but Christianity. And uh, I don't consider myself any expert or authority on that, 
but I have enjoyed throughout the years really studying how others kind of see the atonement of Jesus Christ. And, and I think that there are probably three major theories. I think there are as many as seven. There are some fairly new ones, uh, modern theories of the atonement of Jesus Christ based on, I think, our culture. And uh, yet some of these uh, theories are, are like ancients. They were taught by by some of the uh, ancient Christian fathers of the church. And I think that they were somewhat based upon their culture at the time, too. Uh, however, uh, uh, let me just review these three theories of the atonement of Jesus Christ, or maybe we should call them models of, uh, of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Well, uh, before you do that, too, yeah. let's make clear that we are not uh, advocating for or saying that this is what we believe. We're just simply laying out what these theories are. We will tie into it how it relates to uh, uh, our uh, restored um, the, uh, beliefs, uh, our restored doctrine about this as well. Well, I think what's am- what's amazing, Scott, is while we don't subscribe uh, uh, to all of them exactly, what's amazing is how much truth they really did Do receive have, right? from the Bible, yeah. and and from the from the light of Christ, and I even believe the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily is the gift of the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Spirit teaches truth to anyone who who seeks it. So I I think it's pretty amazing how how much we do have in common with these, even though again we need to understand some things a little differently. But uh, one of the one of the first models or theories of the atonement of Jesus Christ is known as the Christus Victor theory or model, and. This is the idea that Jesus Christ and his atonement completely overcame death and evil and conquered Satan. Uh, that, that man was completely helpless to defeat those things, sin in our life and death in our life and Satan and his influence, and that what Jesus did in the, his infinite atonement was to disarm Satan to defeat Satan, and it gave man power, the atonement of Jesus Christ, that through his suffering uh, and uh, all that took place in Gethsemane and on the cross, that it gave man power to crush the head of Satan. And, you know, that's something that we hear in, in the Scriptures and even in, in the temple, that uh, Christ's atonement... That uh, while the fall and while Satan may have power to to bruise our heel, that we have power to crush his head. So I I think that's an important uh, model and theory of of what the atonement of Jesus Christ did. A second one uh, is the satisfaction theory. It's called, and this is where people believe, and it's been taught that Christ met the demands of God, and this is, this is kind of where we're different, is that most Christians, and I'm again speaking in generalities here, and not representing any, not really representing them, speaking as, as, as someone who's not an authority and can't speak for other churches, but Christ, they believe, met the demands of a just God and fulfilled his wrath by paying humanity's death, thus making reconciliation possible. They believe that Jesus paid our obligation to what we owe to God and that it somehow appeased his wrath. Now, we, we don't quite, we know that that definitely Jesus Christ made a payment that fulfilled the demands of justice or the law. We don't believe that what Jesus suffered was the result of God's wrath. I think that's a, just a fundamental difference between ancient Christian theories of the atonement and what we believe our model of the atonement of Jesus Christ and what's taught in the Book of Mormon is that there is a law, that God's laws were fulfilled. 
and that God's laws were appeased, that justice was appeased, that the demands of justice were fulfilled by the the plan and power of mercy. Some people uh, in, I know, in Christianity, I've read about this in, in uh, some of their studies, uh, are really troubled by this theory of the atonement of Jesus Christ because they believe that God was almost like abusing his own son because of his wrath, because of the sin of others. And when you when you think of that about that, that that could really be troubling yeah, and disturbing. That's, that's not the God we know, that, and or the God that we've talked about at all. I mean, you know, because first off, it's it's the law that Christ is satisfying, right. not not a not an angry, ticked off dad, right? You know, who is you know, by golly, this has got to be paid for one way or the other. Right. You go do it. That's not that's not what this is, you right. know. But 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 what we do realize too is that it is God's law. But God gave us the law because He loves us. I, 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 his, law, his law equals love to us. When Jesus Christ was sacrificed, Scott, when He suffered, when He bled from every pore, and when it went dark in Gethsemane, and when again these these pains and the sufferings of Gethsemane reoccurred on the cross, as we've taught, and as the as the prophets have taught. Uh, all of that pain and suffering that took place on the cross, and even worse on the cross, because there were no angels that were sent to strengthen him. And, and God eventually, uh, and he cries let out, him be there by himself. Right. Yeah. And he cries out, yeah. "Why hast thou forsaken me?" Yeah. I love Elder. I still remember Elder Scott teaching about that and that statement. Why hast thou forsaken me? And describing a heavenly Father who just had to like turn his face. Yeah. Not because he was wrathful or that his wrath was being appeased. It was just so painful for the father as well to see his son have to meet the demands of the law and to meet the demands of justice. And that's the way I see it. And I know that's how the restoration in the Book of Mormon teaches it. So anyway, that's that's another theory or model of the atonement of Jesus Christ, and a um, a third one is in Christianity called uh, penal substitution, which is that Christ was punished on our behalf. That uh, there needed to be a punishment. This is kind of the judicial view or theory model of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And that the court of God was that the court of God meted out certain punishment, and that Christ was the sacrificial lamb that fulfilled the punishment. This is kind of where the propitiation and and the advocation of Jesus Christ kind of comes in, where he uh, pays the price or the punishment, fulfills the punishment for. Uh, Again, God and the court of God, which demands that there be a, a punishment, not just a payment. So those are the three major models of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the theories of, of what the atonement of Jesus Christ did. I think as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are so indebted to and grateful for the restoration um, because we we learn in greater detail, because especially of the Book of Mormon, how redemption works and what Christ did to redeem us through His blood. Uh, living prophets continue to teach this. I mean, we we heard so much about Christ and His atonement and redemption um, for those who are really listening and who are willing to study the words of the prophets from conference. Uh, anyway, it's true that the finite m mind of man cannot fully comprehend the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's it's incomprehensible, Scott, really. Yeah. And for whatever reason, and I think it's because we're mortal and because we can't really fully comprehend it, but for whatever reason other than that, God has chosen not to reveal everything to us 
about the atonement of Jesus Christ and really how it all works. But we've been blessed with revelations enough and Scripture enough to know how we can uh, apply it, access it, how we should enjoy it, how we should receive joy from it, how it was fulfilled in joy. Even Hebrews teaches that Jesus was able to carry out the atonement of Jesus Christ because of his joy and his love. And so those are the things that that I think need to be focused on even more than the different theories of what the atonement uh, did for us, is how we can apply it. And I love, again, what uh, we learn from the Restoration, because we know that not only did Jesus Christ and his atonement overcome evil, which is, again, the Christus Victor theory, and not only did he pay for our sins, which is the satisfaction theory, and not only did he take upon himself our punishment for sin, which is the penal substitution, which is the penal substitution theory, but we know the atonement of Jesus Christ and our Savior enables us, strengthens us, comforts and covers us, cleanses and heals us, protects and perfects us. We know that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, there was reconciliation for the breach of the, of the law and reconciliation in our relationship with the Father. We know that the atonement of Jesus Christ offers compensatory blessings, that it transforms us, that it changes us, that it ransoms, rescues, and redeems us. We know that because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, that he felt divine empathy for us, that he advocates and mediates for us, that he offers expiation, reconciliation, and propitiation. We, you know, the atonement of Jesus Christ did all of that for us and more. It's infinite. Ultimately, we know Jesus Christ redeemed and saved us, and that he purchased us with his blood. All of this, all of this, according to the conditions that we are born into, the conditions of our mortality. Doctrine and Covenants 46, 15. Yep. Yep. So I am just so grateful. And some of the questions that we have received about is, uh, someone once asked in an email about uh, every time I sin, is Jesus bleeding for me? Now, again. Yeah. yeah is right. he, every time I sin, am I hurting Jesus? And again, we may have said that. I well, think in the email, they said something to the effect that that, that maybe... Maybe I taught that, or well, what what we what we sometimes say, Dave, is that you know we we need to consider how our sins make him bleed, make him hurt, and and I'm not quoting it exactly, but that's that's the idea that when we sin, we need to consider we that we cost him pain, or we we need to consider what caused him pain, what pain that causes him, yeah, Yeah. And, and I think sometimes that that's been misinterpreted. To uh, not sometimes, in maybe one situation here, I think it was misinterpreted that we were inferring that Jesus is still paying that price, that he's still bleeding, that, you know, for what if, if I make a mistake yeah. today, that it hurts him today. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we just need to be really clear that we know that, again, because of the nature, the character, the power of God, that. Jesus paid for all the sin or sins yeah. of all the world through the, his atoning sacrifice in Gethsemane and on the cross, and that all of that was paid for there on conditions of our faith and repentance. And I believe, as Elder Bateman and others have taught, that when Jesus was in Gethsemane, I mean, this is this is recorded in Abinadi's teachings in Mosiah chapter 15, that Christ saw his seed. 
And some people have interpreted that to mean that he saw what he was paying for. That now only a god could do that. It would take it would take uh, too much time for that to happen in a few moments, and only a god could see all of that all at once, as he does. There's no past or future to God. There's no time to God. Only a God, meaning Jesus Christ, could see all of that at once, what he was suffering for, but that all of the sins and all of the injustices, not only sins, but injustices, all of the inequities, all of the pain suffered by the sins of others, all of the consequences of all of the sins of the world. Well, Alma 7, he descended below all things. Well, that he, exactly. All things. That, that he suffered for not only our, our sins, but our sicknesses. Our infirmities. All of that, Scott. Yeah, yeah. And that he saw it all at once and that he made all the injustices, all of the inequities and iniquities, that it all came back into a perfect harmony based upon our willingness to be faithful, to have a relationship with him, and to repent. Just qualify, to qualify for the effects in our own life. When we sin now, right, we're not causing it new or any fresh pain or any fresh suffering for him. He saw it and he contemplated it all at once on the cross and in Gethsemane. However, uh, somebody in, in one of their emails say, when you talk about the suffering that we cause Jesus, it, it causes me to feel worse about myself. And I'm sorry if it causes an individual shame, because I think shame is something that is goes inward. What, what I hope that in our discussion of the atonement of Jesus Christ, it causes others to think outward as to what did Christ suffer for me. And it should cause us a broken heart and a contrite spirit when we contemplate the atonement of Jesus Christ. In fact, we, we taught, and the Book of Mormon teaches, that is the conditions of repentance, that we experience a broken heart and a contrite spirit, yeah. that we experience godly sorrow, yep. that we experience guilt, and guilt causes us to feel pain. There's no, there's no getting around that, and that pain does nothing to pay for our sins, but that pain protects us. It keeps us from sinning over and over and over again. Guilt is not the same as shame. Guilt protects us. Shame, shame actually goes inward, and and it causes us um, such uh, negative feelings about ourselves. Shame's demonic. It just is. I mean, shame. Shame, shame is not from Heavenly Father. It's nothing to do with anything to help us be better. It's strictly a tool of the devil. To, to beat ourselves up or yeah. to flog ourselves or to try to punish ourselves over and over again because of our sins is not pleasing to God. And not that's shame. Guilt, guilt causes us to run to our Savior. It causes us to go to Him. It causes us to throw ourselves at His feet and to try to express in our, in our remorse uh, and in our great gratitude yeah. our feelings for His atoning sacrifice. Uh, that's what guilt causes. Yeah. And that's what a broken heart and contrite... There, and, and, by, and that's not comfortable. That's not always comfortable, Scott. A broken heart, it can hurt. A contrite spirit isn't always uh, convenient, casual, or comfortable. Um, There is some pain and suffering in repentance, and there should be, so that we don't repeat it. But the real price was paid, and the punishment was fulfilled, and the demands and appeasement... Satisfied. All of that took place only... Through Jesus Christ. 
through his merits. Man can merit nothing of himself when it comes to meeting the demands of justice and working out the price of our sins. And all of that happened in the true meridian of time while he was in Gethsemane, while he was on the cross, uh, and, and culminated in the resurrection. And that's when it took place. It doesn't continue to take place for him. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I I just think that it's important that we kind of clarify uh, that question or viewpoint that was expressed to us in an email. I think another one that we received, which is interesting, that I've, that I've reflected on just recently, is the the uh, thought that well what about those who really do abuse what about those who really do hurt others uh you know what what about those individuals who repent and they access the atonement of Jesus Christ but they've caused all of this all of this pain uh for others to suffer with uh, do we really believe that the that the atonement that uh, lifts all of the justice of those individuals who caused all of that pain, and if if we accept that, how can I ever forgive them, or how can how can anything be made right if if they don't have to? Yeah, I think I think if they don't have to pay for it, I I think I can summarize that question. Uh, I think it was um, so if if somebody harms me. Uh, but I've sinned too, but because of the sin of somebody else, I get harmed, but I haven't repented yet. The other person repents before I do, then where, how are they paying for it? How, where's the justice come to them? I don't, and I don't think that one has to do with the other. I think these are two, two things that stand alone, right? Yeah. My relationship. So let's, let's say me and somebody else is in this scenario and I'm the one that feels like I've been harmed or, or abused or victimized in some, some way, somehow. And y'all know how we feel about victimization and in that word in general, but I'll use it anyway. But let's say that I've been victimized somehow but I'm not repenting, and that other person repents, and they are taking advantage of the uh, 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 offerings of the atonement of Jesus Christ that come through uh, the administration of the Holy Spirit, and they start to participate and feel that, but I'm not. Uh, what we're seeing here, we're, we're seeing two separate relationships, David. I have a relationship with Jesus. That person has a relationship with Jesus. That relationship that that person has with Jesus is independent of the relationship I have, even though maybe there have been things perpetuated against me by that person, but because of the covering and the redemption of Jesus Christ for that person, Jesus actually paid for that. He doesn't need to continue to pay for that. I don't need to wonder, has he been or she have they been have they been adequately punished? Have they been adequate adequately um, exacted? restitution, uh, you know, or, or anything along those lines. I need to be worried mostly about my relationship with Jesus. Well, and to really understand the atonement of Jesus Christ and to have peace and to have the power to forgive someone else and to, as Elder Anderson puts in his book, to remember in peace, you, you have to understand the doctrine, again, of the atonement uh, as far as what it covered. And it not only covered the perpetrator's sins, the atonement of Jesus Christ covers the victim's pain that they suffered as a result of the perpetrator's sin. Now, it may take great faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ to be able to fill the spirit of that, Scott, but that is unconditional. Jesus suffered the pains of all of those who are abused and victimized unconditionally, but they may not feel it if they don't exercise faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ or understand that doctrine. And if they did, they would be able to forgive because their focus is on Jesus Christ, not on the perpetrator. And I think that is that is a fundamental difference in in how one should see the sins that we all suffer as a result of others. We should we should let it go because of our understanding 
of and our faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ. I'm not worried that somebody is going to be able to pay for it, and I don't think no perpetrator could in this life pay for some of the pains that they've caused. And even even if even if the death penalty were given and people were to uh, die and be killed because of the pain of others, or if they had murdered someone else, their own even their own life won't pay for that, Scott, for that sin. I mean, a, a knife for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that, that's the law of Moses. And, and the law of Moses is not the, the law of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even in the law of Moses, it pointed people to Christ, that he would suffer, that he would die, that he would suffer for all of that. No, no human can. Yeah. In uh, our podcast here, in episodes 18 through 21... Uh, so there's there three or four, whatever that is, uh, three episodes there that or four episodes there that can be very beneficial in helping us as we go back. We spend uh, about four hours uh, in total time, not just on that one subject, but it, but it, it, but in other things that help speak to that to kind of help us wrap our hearts and our minds around that concept with uh, with with better grace and ease. Really, I think, David. Yeah. And so you know, I gang, so. I, I'm I'm going to point if you're if if you have questions about that still, and if you're, if you have any kind of, if we have any kind of struggle within us about the concept of forgiveness and forgiving others, and and you know what about them paying? You know where's where's the cost? How do they pay? You know, and when when we get caught up and worrying about uh, you know the perpetrator against me, making sure he gets uh, his due. Uh, and, and we do, and that's that's human. That's that's part of the uh, human condition. That's part of the natural man sometimes that we deal with. But let's go back. We invite you to go back to those episodes, 18 through 21, uh, and, and maybe a title on any of those would stand out to you, but go back and review those. You know, uh, maybe to finish that thought off and dance, finish answering that question about what about the, the, the perpetrators, I also want to make another important point, and that is that uh, we do not believe in cheap grace. We do not believe that that repentance is easy or breezy. In these cases, we know that that there that repentance does take great effort. That there is suffering and there is some pain in a broken heart, contrite spirit, as we have described, and, and that there may be some suffering in the process of repentance that God's grace is not cheap. That, that the thought of, of cheap grace was, uh, I think, first kind of uh, taught by a great Lutheran minister. I love, I love reading his works, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And he, and he talks about, you know, Christians, as Christians, we don't believe in a cheap grace. And as Latter-day members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, we don't either. We don't believe in a cheap grace, that, 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 but that God is the judge, and that Jesus Christ did suffer for even the worst of sinners, and that we should focus on that, not upon us being the judge, not upon us being the jury, that other, God's the judge— and God has paid the price through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that the demands of justice have been met, and the plan of mercy will be fulfilled for the perpetrator and for the victims, and the atonement of Jesus Christ does all of that. And praise be to God, and how grateful we should, we should be if we would focus more upon the gratitude that we should all feel for that. Uh, it would uh, relieve so much of our pains and uh, distress. You know, we've said before, gratitude is the beginning of desire. And I believe it is. And I also believe gratitude is the beginning of, of peace in our life. Gratitude for the atonement of Jesus Christ and yeah. the plan of redemption. Yeah. I'm so grateful we know that. You know, I and here's the thing, too, about victims and per perpetrators we're all victims but we're also all perpetrators yep we're all guilty we don't ever sin in a bubble no no i uh, i had that uh, 
brought to my attention just this past week uh, of a situation where I had harmed somebody in my ward. Uh, unbeknownst to me, right. you know, I have a leadership position in my ward, and so does this other person who I love dearly. And apparently I had said something, or, or not said something, but I had not met the expectations of the other person. I didn't know what those expectations were. Doesn't excuse me. I should have known. Um, but I, I, I had been a perpetrator in that situation. I didn't mean to be. Yeah. I didn't do it because I didn't like that person. I didn't do it because they don't mean an awful lot to me because they do. And they they serve in a way that nobody else could in that position in our ward right now. Well, the bishop asked me, he says, Scott, how do you feel about making amends? And I says, I can do that. And uh, explain to me what had happened. And um, and and I, I got that opportunity yesterday. And I had been a perpetrator. Yeah, sweet. Uh, and I didn't mean to be, you know. Yeah. So we all need we to take all we all need to take a look at that. I have that conversation just yesterday too with a, a member of Alcoholics Anonymous that I sponsor. Uh, that you know, sometimes when we focus so much on that, I'm a victim. That we'd miss where we have made others victims to our own selfishness or whatever the case may be. And I'm not going to expound on that, but but nonetheless, it's important that we realize that, you know, not only are we victims, but we are sometimes, uh, and none of us are... None of us are immune to this, but sometimes we are also the perpetrator. And so for that too, for that too, the Savior paid that price for my perpetration he paid for that. It's so sad, Scott, how there's this cycle of sin. And I remember appearing before a judge in a court of law and uh, trying to advocate for my son um, as a sex offender. And I think we've talked about that, this wonderful blessing in my life of this this son who I love, who we adopted, who has fetal alcoholism, who has bipolar, who has um, Asperger's, who's was uh, extremely bullied as as a child in school, and has so many challenges. And standing in front of this judge in court, uh, telling him, you know we're brokenhearted by the things that our son has done. But your honor, he is also a victim. He didn't choose to be a fetal alcohol baby. He didn't choose bipolar. He didn't choose Asperger's. He didn't choose to be bullied. He didn't choose any of the conditions that were working against him. I, and I, I think it... it there's this cycle of sin yeah. that the atonement of Jesus Christ can stop. It can break. And if, if we don't forgive others or we expect retribution and punishment in the lives of others, it is going to come back to haunt us because we're all sinners and we're all victims. And sinners are victims, and victims are usually sinners. If the atonement of Jesus Christ does not come in and break that cycle. And that's the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, is that we can, we can overcome. Not, not necessarily on our own. No. For sure not on our no. own. No, 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 no. Never on our own. It's, it's really about the atonement of Jesus Christ. is not really about us changing but about us being changed. Through him. Through him. Who is mighty to change. Yeah. Mighty to save, mighty to change, mighty to redeem. And, and, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, we'll, let that be our challenge for this week. You know, let's look for areas in our lives where we can see the atonement of Jesus Christ not only healing us from our, our the, the sins that are perpetrated against us, but, you know, also uh, where are we seeing the atonement of Jesus Christ heal us uh, in the areas where we have maybe been the one that has caused the pain. As Alma taught in Alma chapter 5, the atonement of Jesus Christ has the power to change our hearts. And that's what we need. 
And that's why he felt to sing the song of redeeming love later in that chapter. We need that power. Right. We cannot do that based on our own merits. That yeah. is a, it's a miracle. Yeah. The miracle forgiveness and the miracle to forgive is all possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ. God bless you, everybody. Yeah, thanks for being with Time's us today. Time's gone by too fast, and we'll... Always does. We can talk more about the some of the theories of the atonement of Jesus Christ maybe a little later. Uh, there's, there's a few things I didn't mention that I'd like to, and we'll do that another time. Well, and as you can see, uh, folks, as we've been able to sort of come to the conclusion of the... Um, curriculum, if you will, of the course that, uh, you know, we kind of set out to accomplish. We've pretty much done that. And so this will now lead us into a different type of a phase, if you will, of this podcast, where we will be able to spend more time doing things like we've done today. Uh, we plan to go back and talk about a lot of the topics uh, specifically and maybe take a little bit deeper dive in some of those things or even just a review on some of those things because those can be that can be extremely valuable as well. But a great opportunity for you now to continue to, and if you haven't done before because you haven't uh, thought to or whatever the reason, go ahead and send us those emails with your questions. He redeems us at gmail.com. Yeah. That's where we can receive those, send those to us, and we'll do our best as we, because I think we'll be doing more. We of, have a little more time yeah. probably to do that. Yeah. I, uh, you know, we've kind of gone through all the chapters of Elder Anderson's book, right. yep. and uh, we've kind of completed the course, which I, I taught for many years. Uh, however, the course is never completed, and the application of the Atonement of Jesus Christ is never complete, and uh, there's just so much more we can uh, share and, I think, uh, review and kind of expand upon. We might even start it over again. I, I think every time I would teach, uh, for example, I would maybe teach uh, six classes uh, in two days, uh, the same lesson, Scott, and none of those lessons were, the were exactly the same. Yeah, I know that. And they were all different according to the individuals. And if if we repeat uh, the, the course, I'm sure it'll be some of the same, but it won't be completely the same, and we'll continue to, to learn uh, along with our listeners. So that I, I hope that that's something that we can... Uh, uh, have the time to do. I think we will. And I look forward to this phase of the podcast as we go. Don't forget to uh, share with your friends and those that you love. Don't forget that uh, we love you. We care about you. That's why we do this. But uh, most importantly, we hope that you understand that you have been redeemed through his blood. Thanks for being with us today. God bless everybody. And we'll see you next week.